Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend Editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. A lot of red in the room. And it's Husker Red here down at the single barrel. We invite you down. We're here till 5.30 for the weekend show. Uh, I know the Open said morning with uh, night games or later kickoffs. We are all about the flex scheduling. Mark Cranach is in. Elijah Herbal. So we're good. Thank you. Morning in Hawaii. Hawaii. And this is a global program. Aloha Spicoli. I will echo it again. What a week it's been and what a night it can be for Nebraska. Fellas, it's moving day in the Big Ten West. Yeah. And you could, in all honesty, be tied for first if you're Nebraska, if you do your job at home tonight. Bert, the pig farmer, went in and got a little revenge today and smoked Wisconsin. My Lord, that was a thorough beating. Eight yards, eight, Ocho, eight yards on 23 carries for Wisconsin. Never happened. Never, ever happened. Purdue is uh, alive uh, as they smoke the boat rower. I mean, there was five minutes of just... Fleck wandering around midfield with his earbuds in, guys. Uh, ESPN and Game Day were doing a big thing on Fleck and Minnesota's surge, you know, as the West favorite. And then Purdue's like, you know, not so fast. They want a defensive struggle today. Kansas is up 7-0. The Trev Alberts Bowl, alive and well in Lawrence with a full stadium. Uh, A lot of blue and a lot of red. Iowa State and Kansas rolling. Uh, that game is is interesting. So, man, uh, what a day it's been. Cranach, how you feeling? Elijah, good to spend time with you again. Hey, man, it is solid. And I'm looking at the Big Ten standings. And actually, the team that is on top of the Big Ten standings in the West right now is none other than Northwestern. Because they are the only Big Ten West <laughs> team that has not suffered a loss. <laughs> yeah, conference. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's probably coming. I think we can all agree with that. But... As we sit here today, it is the only team in the West that does not have a conference loss. Think about that, guys. We're, we're only partway through two weeks of, of division play or of conference play. And nobody in the West except Northwestern's undefeated. Like, you talk about parity or just maybe not very good football, either one. Um, but man, you look at some of this. Look, Wisconsin's two and three overall on the year. 
And I don't think anybody would have predicted that. You know, you got Iowa sitting at three and two. Illinois has surged to four and one overall. And there is lowly Nebraska, the clear outlier, the clear worst team in the Big Ten Conference, which is really weird to say out loud, but it's proven again today when you saw what happened to Oklahoma last week against K-State. One today. Oklahoma looks like Oklahoma looks like, you know, vintage Ohio State playoff team caliber against Nebraska. Right? And I think a lot of us left that game being like, oh, wow, that team is good. Totally guilty. Man, that pace on their offense is solid. This might be one of their best teams that they've had. It looks like they got offense and defense. No, Nebraska's just really terrible, right? And and it's it's kind of a lot to – it's kind of hard to actually reconcile that in your brain with just how poor at this point Nikki Joseph might turn it around. They might get rid of the mental block and everything's going to be better. Like that could happen. But it is hard to wrap your brain around just how bad and how bottom of the barrel Nebraska is right now. In, in I big mean, dude, it is the worst team in the Big Ten. It would not beat Kansas. It would not beat Iowa State. It would not beat Baylor. It would not beat hard Kansas State. It would not beat any of the Big 12 kind of mid-middle-of-the-pack teams. It got smoked by Oklahoma, which is getting smoked by T- – it's just – Wow. I, I just it's it's hard to wrap your brain around just how bad it is right now. And from what I can see so far through four games, and again, Mark, as you said, maybe a, a new coaching staff, maybe a, a, some new voices in that program can help maybe, change right? things. I, I don't yeah. think they're going to change them to the tune of actually getting Nebraska in contention for a Big Ten West because that was my big thought watching the games today was, man, this Big Ten West is wide open for every team not named Nebraska right now based on what I've seen so far from Nebraska. What I've seen so far from Nebraska is, bar none, the worst Nebraska team of my lifetime dating back 23 years, and probably the worst Nebraska team dating back to the 1950s. I'm not saying that you could put this team on a field with a, a team from the 1950s if you could do that hypothetically. I'm not saying this team would <laughs> lose to them, but I'm saying compared to the rest of the college football world, where Nebraska's at relative to the, to the teams they're playing, this is the worst Nebraska team probably dating back to the 1950s. Now things can change, but that's just what my eyes see through the first four games, and that's why I look at a, a five-and-a-half-point line for Nebraska today, favored at home, and I go... Where is that coming from? Yeah, right? Like, that doesn't look... And, dude, you're right. It, with, with the bye week now, with the team, you know, able to, to talk through, deal with whatever they have to deal with with all the different coaching shakeups that they've had, with Mickey now with a couple of weeks being able to kind of sink his teeth into things and make some changes to practice tempo and practice habits and drills and whatever else you emphasize as a coach... Who knows? It might lift them off the mat. Because I'm still convinced, though. I don't think Nebraska is sitting there as a primo talented team. I don't think they have elite talent. But they definitely have way better talent than their record and their results would indicate. Like, that's just not I – don't, I don't even think that's debatable. Because let me, everybody let me. talk recruiting. We can all say, right, just real quick, Everybody can say recruiting, right? Like it's easy to say, oh, they got to get recruited. Of course, you get better players, you'll play better. Um, but <laughs> you, you can't tell me that Nebraska, with 150 dudes on that roster that they have, 
And with the level of kind of three stars, four stars that they've brought in, with the transfers that they've brought in, they they have better players than one in three. They sure. just do. I, I, and you can't convince me otherwise. I don't think they're elite. I don't even know if they could win the division. I don't think they have that much talent, but way better than their results would have Mark Cranach with us, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. We're here at the Single Barrel Roadshow Saturday pregame in front of Nebraska-Indiana. Mark, I think you're right. I think Nebraska, from a talent standpoint, has enough talent, talent at quarterback, talent at running back, talent at wide receiver. Right. Yes. Okay, you got, you, got, you got a few guys uh, on the line. right now, but. Well, that, that's, that's where I'm going, okay? Yeah. Nebraska's 150 hasn't made the top 11 any better. And they've not developed any other options behind 11 for some of the offensive line woes. And there's not alternatives right now. We're going to see some alternatives probably in the secondary, which I'm I'm okay with, right? Give guys a shot. But as far as the the front seven, there's not alternatives ready to go now. And that's, that's the biggest problem is, okay, you're not talented where you have to be in the Big Ten, and that's on the lines of scrimmage. You don't have alternatives to what you've got at tackle. And, and you know, Nebraska, I think, has enough talent to fight for a bull berth, they, they, right, you, you, you would think. But the way they got off to this start, that's spent, and it's really, really uphill right now. So... I don't disagree with you at all from, from the talent take. And you talk to former guys, they they think there's enough talent to win down there, yeah. but there's not enough depth of talent right now not, to to be a to be a serious contender. And, and I don't think Nebraska fans are expecting a, a West contention. But as as wide open as it is, it'd be kind of cool <laughs> if Nebraska could find a way to stay in the conversation versus yeah. be being one of the teams eliminated in, in a a a down down year in the west and in the big 10 and b uh a, a season that is gonna this may be as screwy a college football season as we see right you're gonna yeah. have georgia you're gonna have bama and you're gonna have clemson and probably ohio state but we can talk michigan as well but i mean it's just nuts with tcu reloading and hammering <laughs> oklahoma You've got Baylor and Okie State fighting. KU's a good football team. They just picked it off uh, at the 20-yard line here as uh, they had a zone blitz and, and a great interception by the KU corner. Uh, Wisconsin's in, in a lot of trouble already. And Illinois, as pedestrian as they are, man, they got some momentum and some belief in the pig farmer last year with some of their wins, right? They won at Penn State. Almost got them to the bowl, uh, bowl eligible. This year, they got beat by Indiana in a, in a tight ball game, 23-20. But Illinois is really good uh, with uh, how physical they are on the lines of scrimmage. So enough talent to, to be dangerous for maybe a bowl berth, but can it all come together? And uh, I think a major reason it won't is because of your lines of scrimmage, and that's been four years of development. You know what's been popular today, guys? is, again, the reinforcement of, well, to, to the talent point, look where, look where Adrian's at right now. Look at, look at him go off against Texas Tech. Look at some of the other 
guys uh, that have been at Nebraska that have either gone on to the NFL or left the program. You got Savion Morrison that's doing nice things at Kansas. Not a starter, but a really strong role guy. Transfer all back with Leipold. And and you're you you know to your point, Elijah, about the worst Nebraska team in forever. Yeah, 07, 04, 2017 come to mind. 07 and 04 were right there for a bowl berth. Uh, 2017 was a nightmare because it was lame duck season, but it's really, it's it's so apparent right now that they're they're in a lot of trouble if they don't get this win tonight. We talked mm. Ireland, we talked post Oklahoma, and pre Oklahoma how big this game is tonight, and it doesn't change, and it doesn't change, and it even magnifies a little bit, fellas, uh, with the West being as open as it is after today's results, dude. Here's the here's the thing, by the way, if you haven't been keeping up on uh, watching football today or seeing what Adrian Martinez did, 12 carries, buck 71, three touchdowns, including a long of 69, and his tailback also had 170 yards on the ground. So, yeah, but but that, goes, that just goes to show, man, it, it really has been about coaching and all the things that go into that, right? Like, there, And there's a lot that goes into coaching. And, and just general mentality. And I think what you're seeing from Kansas, I think what you're seeing from Illinois, it's kind of proof of that, right? Like, Kansas was more abound. They have been awful for years and years and years. It's one of the most lowly Power 5 programs there can be. But now you got a dude that comes in with a plan. He doesn't deviate from it. He instills it. The people follow it. They just listen. And lo and behold, you get some results. I don't think Kansas is going to go undefeated. They'll probably drop a couple this year, two, three, maybe but if four. You, you, get, um, you get an eight and four Kansas. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, That's really right? good. And, and eight and four seems and, like their floor right now. They look good. Yes. Yeah, a little bit. Well, and mm-hmm. look, so it's funny. You, you heard Trev Alberts yesterday at the Big Red Breakfast. He was talking about how he wants Nebraska to be like the premier Midwest Develop, premier developmental program in the Midwest is is how he uh, is how he mentioned it mm-hmm. or how he termed it, and then you just look around Nebraska. That's what Iowa State is. That's what Iowa is. That's what Kansas is. That's what Kansas State is. Mm-hmm. Like the closest, the, the physically closest programs to Nebraska are, are all those things. And what Trev is saying, I think. When you look at those four, got better facilities, better fan support than Iowa. I don't think that's debatable. It's true. Um, you, same thing with Iowa State. You, you got more money and more facilities and more support and more tradition than any of those four teams that are in the Midwest proving that at the Power 5 level, you can be a developmental, solid program. Trev is looking at that saying, why the hell – why the hell would those four be lapping us? It makes no they sense. Are well, 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 right well, now. Look at how they're doing it. Look at the teams that got big wins today. Illinois, how'd they do it? They beat Wisconsin at the line of scrimmage. A hard thing to do, but that's yep. what they did. They kept DeVito uh, comfortable all game. They were able to establish a decent running game, and they rolled to a big victory. Uh, you look at Kansas, how they've been winning this season. Winning on the, the lines of scrimmage, keeping Daniels protected. And uh, he's able to pick apart a defense. Adrian Martinez today for Kansas State and last week against Oklahoma. K-State is winning at the line of scrimmage. That's how they're making their hay. They're they're controlling the game from the get-go, and and they're getting wins. That's how you do it in the Midwest is it starts along the (laughs) lines of scrimmage. And it's been something that Nebraska has been lacking pretty much the entire Frost era, development along the lines of scrimmage. And 
I even go back to the, I mean, the Riley years. They had some good offensive lines. I, the 2015 year, or 2016, excuse me, good lines of scrimmage. Um, but then as soon as those started to fall off, the, the results as a whole started to fall off. That's where it starts. Nebraska needs to focus on their lines of scrimmage before anything else because that's where they're losing football games right now. It's a big, you, it's a huge, huge part of it. No question. i tell you this, too. And you, you look to some of the, the, the past lines of scrimmage, short side option if you're looking at the bingo card today between Kansas and Iowa State. <laughs> and to your point, Elijah, with the lines of scrimmage, you also find Leopold to get Jaden, Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels was going to go to Air Force or Army. Okay? Yeah. And Sometimes lucky. I'm not, uh, well, but the point is, is you see a, a dude and you think he can – perform for you and then you'll you, you give him a couple of years of development and and here you go <laughs> you have a fullback right i mean so it, it's so important tonight for nebraska to figure out a way to survive okay survive get a win get some momentum going be in the west race still yep. it's funny as that sounds and uh do a kind of a deep breath. Uh, we talk a lot about development. We, we get into what Nebraska needs to be. You got a couple of guys, fellas, in, uh, in Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush that have been to a lot of big-time programs, right? They've, they've, they've done a nice job at different stops as KU's now up 13 nothing. But they... When a push comes to shove, it comes back to hard work, lines of scrimmage, development. They'll go get you the Jimmies and the Joes, but they're really good at finding guys that uh, folks may pass on, and they turn those players into really high-level talents and contributors. It, listen, listen to this, too, though. You know, one of the guys that, I, you know, is being targeted right now, of course, and talked about as a potential head coach here is Dave Aranda, and we've talked about – you know, the connections to Mickey Joseph, the connections to Bill Bush, they go back a ways if you haven't been paying attention. Just, you know, he's Aranda hired Bill Bush at three spots. Yep. Right. And he coached with Mickey Joseph last year. Then there's Vince Guenta, too, which is the behind the scenes personnel recruiting guy um, that's considered one of the best in the business. He left Baylor to come to Nebraska. I, this is I lining up, isn't wonder, it? <laughs> well, I just, can't, I just can't help but wonder about. Now, say what you want about Trev, whether you're a fan or not. He's a strategic guy, though. He's strategic. And part of being strategic is looking into the future, right? It just, just is. It doesn't mean you know the future, but it means you set up things to help the future. And there are, this is almost like six, you know, the Kevin Bacon thing. What is that? The six, six degrees of separation. Yeah. This is starting to, <laughs> when you look at, at how many connections there are, I can't help but wonder if Trev put that stuff in motion to attract and to make Dave Aranda really comfortable with. Say no to four people he likes. Right. Just, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, at, Okay, it's one thing to say, okay, Mickey Joseph, the coach, okay, Bill Bush, he hired him. And then Vince Guinta, too? Like, you're like, hold on a second. Like, that's a lot that you're sort of, that is lined up. Like, Baylor, all of a sudden, is like, a, what? What is this Waco to Lincoln connection thing going on? Like, how, what? Um, so, I, 
I can't help but wonder if that's been part of Trev's plan all along. Put some people in place in pretty key positions. And by the way, look what's happened. He elevated Mickey to be the head coach because Mickey would easily slide aside and let Aranda come up. That would not be a concern. And Aranda would want to keep Joseph. And then same with Bill Bush. Bill would be like, yeah, that's my dude. Like, He's the, he's the D court. He's the guy. Mm-hmm. So Bill would be fine with it too. And then Gwenta knows him well. And I, I don't know. It's just I, you, you can't help but wonder if Trev has been purposefully putting those things in place. Doesn't mean it's going to work because Aranda still has to say yes. But if you're Dave Aranda, how enticing is that to you at this point? A, a recruiting personnel guy that you love and respect a defensive backs coach, special teams type that you've hired three times and really like, you know, Mickey Joseph, whose recruiting prowess is really almost peerless in some ways. It's a pre- it becomes a pretty enticing place on top of building the new facilities, on top of Big Ten money, on top of proof when you look around where Nebraska is and you think about the philosophy of Dave Aranda too. He's, he's a philosophical long-term type of dude, right? He's not a quick fix. Well, the thing I like about Aranda Aranda best is is that he's been at high-level spots, knows how to win there, and hasn't flailed or failed on the line of scrimmage, right? Because, I mean, that's just just drilling down to what is going to get Nebraska back to not worrying or wondering if they can beat Indiana, not worrying or wondering if it's one of a, one of one in 11 this season or or not. Music is on. Elijah's like saying, we got to get to quick timeout. Elijah Herbal back at our studio. Chris Schmidt here at the single barrel. Mark Cranach with us for the weekend edition. Brandon Vogel with us on the way. Matt Millen coming up. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. with Hale Varsity Radio with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back with you. We get into the thick of it here. Hale Varsity Radio weekend edition presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Do you want to watch KU? A sold-out KU versus Iowa State. That's going on. The Cyclones getting back with a uh, touchdown and two, but KU's... uh, Going to try and drill a field goal here with just under a minute to go. And that looked like my kick. It is no good. We welcome in Brandon Vogel from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. He's in his football office. Elijah Herbal back in studio. Mark Cranach in his Husker basement as he is going to hunker down. Uh, we'll get to some of your comments here on StreamYard. We are streaming the show live as well on ESPN Lincoln, ESPNLincoln.com for this uh, weekend edition. Matt and Jeff will get to some of your thoughts, but stream us and uh, watch the show, ESPN Lincoln Facebook, ESPN Lincoln Twitter, and the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. can get some 
um, some emails in as well. A shout-out to the Pride of Norfolk, Maury and Deb Absher. They are on their way down listening, streaming, as they get ready for Nebraska-Indiana. Well, folks, just like you picked it, what did you say to us back in August when you were putting the final touches on the uh, Hale Varsity yearbook? Incredible issue again. I mean, you were right on Illinois, if memory serves, or do I have selective memory? Uh, you, you have a selective memory, I think, uh, kindly so for, for myself. In fact, I remember having <clears throat> talks amongst our staff about Illinois' win total, which I think was five or five and a half, and I was like, no. Um, and really, they should be a five now. They should have beaten yes. Indiana in the opener. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I joked in that, that 11 or November 12th Illinois-Purdue game certainly looks massive now for the West Division, uh, which, you know, is just what you do when the new schedules come out. You circle that Indiana, or Illinois-Purdue game. Totally do. Totally do. But it is moving day. We laid this out to, to kind of get going here at 3.30 from the single barrel. But, hey, you take care of tonight if you're Nebraska. It's one of those, all right, the, the door is not shut, nor is it locked. It's fairly half open to borrow from T.O. ahead of the Orange Bowl at 98. The door is still open if you can handle some business tonight and find a way if you're the Big Red. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the difference between um, coming out of tonight one and one in the in the conference versus zero and two is 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 massive. Uh, way bigger than just one win would have you think. It kind of gives you a little bit of proof of concept for everything that's still to come for the Huskers, and I, I, that's what a team like this needs um, because right now the Big Ten looks like Ohio State. Michigan, and then a morass of chaos below that. And <laughs> if Nebraska jumps in there with a win, uh, then you get you earn the right to be part of the morass. Brandon Vogel is with us and uh, in kind of reverb mode. And I'm hearing myself in reverb. He as sounds well. beautiful to uh, me, <laughs> Mr. Elijah. Just so I am. I am working on things for anyone listening on the stream. I am working on the tech issues, but it's going out clear over the air. Okay. So if you just went stream, dark, this is awesome. It. I just went dark again. I'm going to put another quarter in the machine and let Cranach talk. Go for it. Is this symbolism? Is this symbolism for what's going on with the program right now? It's just kind of a disarray. Our, right? Ours are there. Those are the path. <laughs> <laughs> you know that aren't quite working. Things are going dark. Um, you know, it, Matt did ask on the stream, though, if if you had to guess, what is Coach Joseph going to do on offense to slow the game down and win the time of possession game? And I think it's a really important point that he brings up, and it's something he's alluded to that he's going to do to try to play a little bit more complimentary football. But it really helps when you have a defense that you can count on. That's sort of the issue. All things considered, Brandon, Mickey's had his time to get his feet under him at this point. They had a bye week. You know, they can kind of put things in the rearview mirror. They can start to, um, you know, he can start to leave his imprint on the program a little bit more right now. What, what changes do you expect to see from him and from how Nebraska approaches a game overall? Yeah, excuse me. I think the um, easiest way is, you know, you can, you can choose to press the tempo 
um, as much as you want. And that's probably the easiest fix to make. You know, this, this Indiana matchup in particular is interesting because Nebraska's run game has been what I would call good twice, uh, neither of which came against either of the Power 5 opponents that's played thus far. It, it, it was okay. The best part about this Indiana defense is its rush defense. So who who wins that one? Um, you know, obviously we think of running the ball a way to control the clock a little bit, and that's kind of a classic way to do it. But also, the you know, how good are you on first down? Um, like, can you have consistent success? Can you hit your passes when you choose to come out throwing um, is, is another way. And Nebraska so far this season has done what a lot of teams do, which is like, okay, you get six, seven yards on first down. If you're capable of going fast, like, let's go. That's, that's when you really press the pace. And I'll be interested to see if they back off that a little bit this time. Mark, uh, I muted you. That's my bad. Oh, no problem. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and Chris Schmidt was with us, and he has disappeared into the ether. And, Brandon, would you mind maybe reconnecting to see if that makes a difference? We are getting reports from folks saying that you're echoing. Um, and for what it's worth, Elijah, I'm hearing myself. Yeah, Mark, you, you are also. Is that better now? Uh, is what? Your echo. No, when I talk, then I hear myself about a couple seconds later. Well, this is just lovely, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It is really not. Technology it never quite really works how you uh, how you want it to, does it? Yeah, no, it Now we've got Vogue's back, I, Mark. Do you want to try reconnecting? Oh, what was that? You want to try reconnecting, Mark, now that we got Vogue's back? Yeah, maybe we'll try that. Be right back. All right. Oh, God bless America. Vogue's, uh... I'll be honest, I've been working through technical difficulties in here. I've only been half paying attention to the past six minutes. Did, did we cut you off there whenever we, uh, whenever we had you reconnect? No, I think you got everything I said twice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys still have me or no? Yes, we have you. All right. Well, we'll just rock and roll and back. radio-wise. And Cranach is back, too. Uh, let's just call that a fridge run. A uh, good fade route uh, into the end zone. Vogues, I want to go back to two weeks ago. And, okay, so it's, it's one thing if Adrian does his job and whacks Oklahoma and Norman, feel-good moment, wonderful, great for the former Husker. TCU just annihilated, absolutely, pound of flesh times a 1,000, and Baylor's getting rocked at half here, 16-3 to by Okie State. Were you in the camp with me where you just thought OU was really good or man is is it the other way Nebraska's just really not so hot and Nebraska has a long ways to go and that makes you fearful for tonight let's talk transitive football yeah um Oklahoma did some things in that Nebraska game that they really hadn't done to that point at least not to that degree through their two we expect versus um the the oklahoma that you know was going through a coaching transition so i think it does make you reevaluate a little bit of how you thought about nebraska coming out of that um particularly the defense uh which there's there's been a change uh there obviously since that game and we'll 
see if it makes any difference tonight. But yeah, I've been I've been surprised by Oklahoma and what what has happened to the Sooners since romping through Lincoln. You know, and that's kind of a big part of it, Brandon, right now that that we are trying to, I guess, reconcile. And I wonder where you're at on this process right now. Um, just how bad Nebraska really is and, and just how far, I guess, they have fallen and just how they appear to be the worst team in the Big Ten. And it's kind of weird to say out loud, but maybe one of the worst in Power Five, if not the worst. And it's like, it's really a lot to wrap your brain around when you compare it with, I, I guess, the individual talent that Nebraska has. It's not elite, but it's better than worst in the power five. Or are we just so myopic that we can't even see how bad they are? Um, no, I don't think it's a case of being myopic. Um, you know, so in a couple of power ratings going into this game, like Indiana and Nebraska are basically living right next door to each other. I think Rutgers is right in that range as in terms of the bottom of the Big Ten, uh, which also kind of makes you by default bottom of the, the power five schools. And it is weird to to think about Nebraska in that way. And I think what we're seeing is kind of I really do think it's the cumulative effect of the past four seasons because talent wise i agree with you they have more talent than to, to be in that position and you know when you look at college football broadly i think there's probably sec might be the exception here but all of the other power five group conferences there's probably one to two maybe you get to three elite recruiters in in each league so that leaves, you know, basically 50 other Power 5 schools. And maybe there's some down way at the bottom that, you know, they just don't don't have anywhere near the talent. But 45 of those Power 5 schools are all working with roughly the same talent, in my opinion. And, yeah. um, you know, the thing that matters most for, uh, you know, Oklahoma State's a good example, I think. Um, how consistently can you get that talent to kind of unite and, and be a team um, and produce consistent results that way? And, and when I look at Nebraska, you know, its talent is not it's it's good enough to be better than where they've been. And why aren't they? Well, I think you have to look to, you know, just some of this like, OK, if, if this quarterback is, is more talented than the other team's quarterback, great. Um, you know, you'll get some individual plays that way. Uh, but how are you going to get the majority of all the plays? How are you going to get the majority of the plays that don't involve that quarterback at all? Um, and that's the issue for Nebraska is just the bringing all of this together on a consistent basis hasn't happened for a while. And I think uh, you do that for long enough and it starts to add up. Brandon Vogel with Brandon us Vogel here. Brandon Vogel is with us. Oh, there you are, Chris. Sorry. On Hale Varsity. on the screen. Uh, I'm, I'm working on that. We're um, back here at the single barrel. Pardon me? I thought you'd quit. quit. No, I'm not going to quit. <laughs> nope. Okay. Uh, I'm at the single barrel. Crane X in his Husker Den. Elijah's back in studio. Vogues is in his football office. There's our reset. We're presented by Currency. Vogues, let's get into to staying in the, the race then for tonight and beyond. Give me a couple of keys for Nebraska-Indiana. Okay, we've talked about where we think Nebraska's at. 
how rough it is, right? But it, it could be a rough Saturday for a lot of different teams. It's been that way, right? Not named Alabama or Ohio State. So what, what can Nebraska do? Where do you like an advantage or two for Nebraska against Indiana? Yeah, so already mentioned, you know, the, the run game. I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest variable here and is the easiest way for Nebraska to be somewhat comfortable in this game. Like, if they can run the ball uh, against a pretty good uh, rush defense, I think Indiana ranks 30th in success rate against the run. Um, that would be a very good development and, you know, a sign, I think, of Nebraska doing something that you may not say, well, they should be able to do this coming in. It's This is an interesting game because when you look at who will be on the field at the same time, it's it's strength versus strength in, in Nebraska's offense versus Indiana's defense, and then weakness versus weakness, I think, with when you flip that around. Indiana's offense has struggled to to this point. It pushes the tempo. It's averaging over 50 pass attempts per game because it hasn't been able to run the ball consistently. So, you know, for from Nebraska's perspective, with that defense, it's really struggled, struggled to stop the run so far. You know, maybe maybe the opponent here matches up a little bit better for you. That said, it's still a weakness for Nebraska for a reason. So it's, I think it's fair to expect an Indiana offense uh, to, to probably look a little better than it has through this point. Like, all of this points to, you know, a pretty close game in, in my mind. Um, and we'll find out, you know, Indiana over kind of last year being an exception, obviously, but over what I'll still call its rise under Tom Allen, you know, has a knack for winning games like this. And Nebraska, not the Davis need to be reminded, has had a knack for not winning games that end up going down to the final possession or two. And uh, I'd be very surprised if we don't end up with another game that uh, is is up for grabs deep into the fourth quarter. Brandon Vogel with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Brandon, is it are, – are we looking at a six degrees of Kevin Bacon situation with Vince Guinta, <laughs> Bill Bush, Mickey Joseph? Let's say Kevin Bacon again for me. Pretty significant connections <laughs> to, uh, to Dave Aranda. Is that – is that all coincidence, or is that Trev planting a few seeds to try to make this place pretty attractive to that guy? <laughs> um, well, it would be fun to 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 think that. I can't say that I have to this point. Um, you know, at the time those hires were made, you got to think Scott Frost still had a pretty big hand in it. Um, now, if Nebraska opts to 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 think in that direction towards Waco, which I would be surprised if it didn't like you at least see what you can see there. Uh, it probably makes it more attractive. My read on Aranda uh, a year ago was he was pretty comfortable in Baylor. He was a guy who wasn't going to jump for just, you know, any opportunity. And we've got, you know, two, two thirds of a football season still to go. So we'll see a lot, a lot can change, you know, over the time that I was thinking and talking about that with people, almost 12 months ago uh you know it it, it's tough to argue with what baylor baylor has done to this point uh it does give me a little bit of pause you know aranda unlike a few of the other names that keep you know getting mentioned in association with this nebraska job he'd be coming in with a two-season sample size as as a head coach um and you know it's 
who knows with these coaching hires, like there are plenty of examples if you want to go out there and say, well, this guy only had two years and it worked out great. Uh, you can't overreact to that. And same way you can't overreact to the fact that, well, Scott Frost only had two years and it didn't work out great. So it's uh, it, the coaching, coaching search, coaching hire uh, game is, is one that I'm finding nearly impossible to crack. And I've tried. Well, well, well Brandon, one of the things that, I mean, I mentioned this right when Scott got fired, and I'll bring it back up again, is just, there's just so much that can still happen in the coaching carousel that I think it'd be crazy for Trev to, to lock in on a guy this early. I mean, look at results today. Wisconsin could be looking for a, for a head coach by the end of the season. And I don't think that that's crazy to say that Wisconsin fans are pretty unhappy with, with how today went or Ole Miss, say Lane Kiffin goes off to another spot. I don't think he goes to a school like Auburn, but say he, he packs up his bags and takes a new gig. They could be looking for a head coach. There's still so much that could happen in this coaching search. I, I just think it's kind of crazy to, to lock yourself in and say, yeah, Arand is the guy as of right now. Yeah, and I, I, and I don't think that's probably where Nebraska is at in its search. Um, you know, Brady Oltman's our, our staff writer, has a story that will be coming a little bit later, but he's been – He's been uh, working the phones in the agent world um, and, you know, kind of trying to get a sense for, you know, what's the timeline for a school in a position like Nebraska's where you've got this much time. Um, so I won't, I won't scoop that here. You can look for that on hailvarsity.com and probably the week ahead. But it's, it's interesting. I think they're at a point now where it's, hey, let's identify the guys who, who we think are at the top of our list we have the most confidence in like if this guy said yes we'd be in and i'm guessing that's probably where nebraska is at and you hope like it's one of those things where you you got to be careful not to wait too long to at least make your entrance interests know because who knows you're you know like you you were saying wisconsin might come open uh lane kiffin might get hired away and then all of a sudden a pretty intriguing sec job is open so it's uh it's kind of a fine line to walk for nebraska you know, Vogues, where where do you what's your pulse right now on the Wisconsin situation? Do you I mean they're they're ticked and uh Bielema came in there and rocked them. He's done really well at Illinois. Do you think Wisconsin may be open? Are you ready to go that direction yet with Chris? I know it's been a couple of years since Barry's retired. Barry was Uber involved. You know, the godfather was never far away from managing his football program, and he got to do it. He brought Chris in, and for the most part, Paul's done a good job. They've had good lines of scrimmage. They've also lost some guys here recently, uh, assistants, and they're a mess right now. They ran for eight yards on 23 carries, and their sacks figured into that, but they're, they're, uh, there's some heat on Chris. I mean, they've, they've lost several in a row now. They've lost two at home. You just got embarrassed by Ohio State. They've lost three in a row, to be honest with you. And then here comes your former guy that no one wanted to pay, and he absolutely dismantles you. Um, it's DEFCON 4 in Madtown. If it came down to Nebraska or Leopold or Nebraska-Wisconsin chasing Leopold, do you think home tugs? I'm asking you to project here. Um, well, first of all, I would be – I would be pretty surprised if Wisconsin opens. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, okay, like if Wisconsin doesn't win a game the rest of the season, which I don't see being the case, like maybe then. But, you know, Wisconsin is what it is and because it's kind of a rock. Uh, it's not all that reactionary. And, you know, it 
post Bielema, it goes to it goes to Gary Anderson, which ended up just being a terrible cultural fit for both sides. And, and those Wisconsin teams, that he, those two Wisconsin teams he coached, were still really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, parted ways at the time that they hired Paul Christ. I was like, that's that's what Wisconsin, you know, can command. And I understand like his connection to the program. Like he's an interesting example of somebody whose resume at Pitt wasn't all that strong. Uh, but he's a Madison guy, played quarterback there, came in. He's been better at Wisconsin than he was at Pitt. It's kind of like what you always hope one of these coaching hires produces is like, okay, you're here, you get a better job, and now you're here. It doesn't happen all that often. Um, so that being the case, if if something were to go, you know, nuclear here in Madison and Wisconsin <laughs> is looking for a, a head coach at the end of it, I mean, I think that would be a pretty enticing spot for someone like Leipold, given his his history. He's got a good amount of history in the state of Nebraska as well. Uh, but if you're asking me to play, which which of those trumps the other? Uh, unfortunately, it's probably Wisconsin. If, if Leipold's the coach you're interested in, Vogues will get you Crane, out Vogel. on this. Go ahead, Cranek. No, you're good. You're good, Chris. I just can't. No, see I was just anymore, gonna. Ra- so. I was just gonna wrap up if you, unless you had a question for him. That's good. You're all good. You're all good. Folks, God love you for uh, for dealing with this tire fire, uh, technically. I need uh, which way the wind's blowing for Nebraska-Indiana tonight. Um, yeah, I'll have to get with Rusty Dawkins to check on that for sure, get our latest weather <laughs> forecast on you know, varsity. Um, I really think this game's going to be about 28-28. One of the teams is going to get an extra field goal. So, 31-28, uh, pick, which, pick whichever team you want. Neither would surprise me. I'll, I'll give Nebraska that extra field goal because it's playing at home and at night it. and it's coming off a bye week versus <laughs> playing its fifth straight game. Yep, Vogues has nailed it right there. Breast easy Husker Nation. He says 31-28 Nebraska. I, I believe that's, that's an under, is it not? That, that's, that's 59 points. That's just under. Should, should be for our listeners up in Council Bluffs. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Bugs. We'll check in with you again, buddy. Thanks again for your time today. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. There he is, Brandon Vogel, with us from Hale Varsity Don Common Magazine. Here at the Single Barrel Weekend Edition Flex Schedule Time here, three thirty to five thirty. You're invited down. The beer's cold. The food incredible. The steaks are to die for. Cranek, what are you throwing on the grill later? Well, I'm actually going to do some takeout, out, man. I'm going okay. to pick up some burgers, maybe a French nice. dip. You you, you've already got your game plan handled. Elijah, what are you eating? Uh, I'll cross that bridge when I get there, dude. I don't know. Let me, let me get, I'm let me focused get on this, this show. I'm focused fire. on the game. And, and whenever my, my stomach tells me that it's time to eat, I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. But I'm, I'm good for now. I had a... I had a bit of a late lunch, so I'm, I'm doing good now. It was, a, it, was a, it was a midday nap for Elijah, and imagine my surprise when I woke up and saw the, uh, the 11 o'clock slate of games and what all the scores were. No kidding. Uh, Matt Miller. Oh, by the way, Je- Jeff on, on the comments on the stream asking, is Nebraska looking at the Cincinnati coach, Luke Fickle? Luke Fickle. I don't, Probably. Absolutely, yeah, but is he going to leave? Of course, you look at him. Uh-huh. The dude spent his entire life in Ohio. That's yep. the only thing. Like he's it, it comes high down school to get in Ohio. Yeah. Born in Columbus, played defensive tackle at Ohio State, coach at Akron, mm-hmm. coach now he's at Cincinnati. He was the coach at Ohio State. It's just, I, 
Yeah, he, he seems like an Ohio lifer to me. But he's just waiting for Day to go to the NFL, let's be honest. And that, that's the, the topic around a lot of these guys. Is It's not would they be willing to leave their spot. I think a lot of these, Luke Fickle's willing to leave his spot, and I don't want to be too obvious here. Lane Kiffin's willing to leave his spot. Even Mark Stoops, I think, would be leaving to, to leave his job at Kentucky. But why would they leave for Nebraska? And I don't want to put Nebraska down in the mud, but that's where their program is right now. It's not great. It's not an easy fix for anybody. It's not a guarantee. And look at guys that are in the SEC right now. It's not like they're going to be making that much more money up here in the Big Ten. Uh, you have a, an equal conference in the SEC, if not this season, a little bit better than the Big Ten. It's going to fluctuate. But what is the reason for a guy like that leaving? I understand Aranda wanting to come to the Big Ten because, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC, those two conferences are the future of football. But I don't see Nebraska going and getting a, an SEC coach uh, or a guy that, that's already built their program up and has good job stability. And, you know, when one of those top five type programs comes calling, that's what they can wait for. And that's what I think of a guy like Luke Fickle or a guy like Mark Stoops or a guy like Lane Kiffin. Just I'm not saying that they wouldn't leave, but they got to leave for the right opportunity. And Nebraska is not the right opportunity for those guys. Well, it'd, it'd take some convincing. It could totally be the right opportunity, but it would be a whale of a job for Trev based on where the program's at right now. Matt Millen is on the call tonight at the Big Ten Network. He'll be he's in Lincoln getting set for Nebraska. What's he think of Nebraska, Indiana? We'll hear some war stories, too, from his days in Oakland. That's the rewind on the way. Matt Millen, what's he think of the Big Red job, the Big Red team, as it is Nebraska, Indiana. Good ball game here in Lawrence as uh, KU on top of Iowa State. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse, with us in about 30 minutes. Hale Varsity Weekend Edition continues. We're presented by Currency. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back in Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. Big showdown Saturday night in Lincoln under the lights, BTN. Part of the broadcast is uh, Hall of Famer Matt Millen, four-time Super Bowl champ, great linebacker at Penn State. Matt, it's been a long time since we've had a chance to chat. Uh, Big Ten media days are once in a while in the old buffet line at Memorial Stadium. How have you been? I'm doing pretty good, yeah. In fact, looking forward to this, I... I want to see these guys get back on track, and I think uh, in Indiana, that's uh, I think they're playing some pretty good football, so it'll be interesting to see with all the uh, change that's happened. Change being the word, and Nebraska's been through a bit of the ringer with just coaching change the last two decades, Matt. You know the Nebraska program well. You competed against them when you were playing at Penn State, and, and you've covered them, obviously, and you know, no Frost, no Chenander, and Mickey Joseph, a tall task. Defense is uh, what you know, and Bill Bush has taken over as interim defensive coordinator. It just seems like Nebraska's been a step slow and not really 
uh, well, they're, they're just swimming, right? They're thinking too much. What Do you see quite a bit of talent on the Nebraska defensive side of the ball as you've studied them a little bit? Do they have some of the, the horses to get it done? Yeah, well, so there's – so in today's football, it's changed, right? Mm-hmm. So first thing you have to look at is do you have a pass rusher? The answer is no, they yeah. don't. They have a guy, you know, in, in – uh, in, Garrett Nelson. I, I think Nelson's the one who gives you an effort, and he can beat you with, with uh, on a second effort kind of thing. But in their up front, they don't really have that guy who's just a speed burner and a guy who's just going to get you on your heels the whole time. So that's the first piece. Second thing you have to do is you have to have team speed, and um, they're not slow. They're not fast. Um, and then I think the third thing is you got to have you have to be able to cover. Um, and so if you can cover, and, and so they're, they're young guys back there. Their corners are solid. Uh, you know, the, you got a, a transfer in there and that Hill kid, mm-hmm. and then and, uh, I think it's is it Newsom. I don't yep, remember. Yep, yep, Quinn, yeah. Quinn Newsom's yeah. good-sized kid. Yeah. And so, so, uh, so, and that's your first group. So here's the big piece, right? You need depth. Mm-hmm. Because uh, especially in a game like this where Indiana's going to go fast, and Indiana is going to wear you out. And if you have just, you know, two corners, they're going to wear your corners out. If you have two backers, they're going to wear them out because they're going to go fast. Uh, now, here the challenge is to get them off the field as fast as you can, right? So if you can go three and out, you're okay. But if you don't, and they and they keep on running play after play after play, they're going to wear you out. So, um, is there enough talent there? There's talent there. Is there enough? You don't have your a too deep. So, um, like a. You know, like what Ohio State would have, or so teams like that. So, yeah. So you're you're kind of playing from behind a little bit. Matt Millen with us, BTN. He'll be on the call Saturday night. Hail Varsity Radio. Matt, are you surprised it's gotten to this point with Nebraska? You know, I've always been a big fan of the, the Nebraska program. Um, am I surprised that it got here? Uh, yes and no. Um, yes, because I, I, I just think it's a good program. I think it's one of those schools that, like, I think about, you know, Johnny Rogers and, you know, all the, all the guys from that. Um, and so it's not that anymore. Football's changing. Recruiting is the name of the game. You have to be able to get people on campus. I think that was one of the things that Scott was counting on, being able to get in there and it, it, it was tough to bring him in, and if you did get a guy in and you got him in the, you got him in the, uh, you know, in, on the track ready to be able to get there, then you know somebody comes in and and, and takes him. Mm-hmm. And so now with the portal, it's even tougher. Back in the day when uh, when uh, Devaney was keeping guys, and they were just they they had a system where they were had this walk on thing that. You know, it wasn't truly a walk-on deal, but it was. He he kept them there, mm-hmm. and he developed them, and then he had he had great teams, and so um, it's it's not that way anymore. It's tough. It's tough to recruit. It's tough to get kids there, and it's tough to keep them. So, yeah. So I think from that perspective, I think it's it's a hard one, but I I still think nebraska you know nebraska's a great program it's a great tradition tradition it's uh it's one of those schools in the big ten that should shine and it, it's struggling right now 
Yeah, Matt, one of the things that's really frustrated Husker fans over the past couple of years is, is recruiting rankings. You look at it and fans say, well, Nebraska's out-recruited Iowa this season or Minnesota this season, but it doesn't translate to wins. How do you get wins in the Big Ten is with culture and team identity. And my question for you is what kind of culture and team identity do you think Nebraska needs to have with whoever the next head coach ends up being moving forward to have success in the Big Ten? Culture is interesting because culture changes with team to team. And, and coaches, uh, coaches can form a culture or break a culture just like that. And so, you know, the tradition of that place is, is the selling point. And, um, and so whoever comes in there next, <coughs> uh, excuse me, whoever comes in there next is going to have to build their culture. Like Scott had to build his coach culture, and each previous coach before that had to build the culture. And so it's not like... It's not like you're just carrying it on from the ne- from one to the next. It's tough. Um, ultimately, it comes down to just recruiting. It's what it comes down to. And and today's game of the nil, the nil world, which I'm not a big fan of, but that's the way it's gone, and that's the way it is. It's tough. And so, you know, it's 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 just paying it's paying guys, mm-hmm. and um, it's tough. It's it's hard to recruit in that. I don't like it because I think inevitably we're end up we're going to end up having pretty much like the NFL two conferences and you'll have the haves and the have-nots and and you're going to have to get a salary cap you're going to have to do something you have to put some kind of way to regulate this because I I don't I don't like the way it's going. Matt Millen with us, couple more minutes, part of BTN uh, and uh, his coverage of course Saturday night Nebraska and Indiana. You mentioned team culture. Can you enlighten us on on the Oakland Raiders of the early '80s and just how much how much fun that was? I mean, I, I, I as a kid, I grew up watching NFL films. I loved Howie Long. I loved your the, the Raider mystique, the the the, the renegade right kind of uh, mentality. But man, you got to live it. You got to live it and play some Super Bowls and win some big games. Yeah, and so it was more of an attitude than a culture. <laughs> okay. And that's part of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was one of those things where, um, look, Bob Nelson, who's a Nebraska guy, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a Husker, he played beside me for, you know, how, how many years Bobby and I were together? Yeah, probably seven or eight years there. And uh, you just, the attitude was, we're coming in, we were, now, we were very, very talented, right? So you had... Hall of Fame corners. You had an outside backer and Ted Hendricks in the Hall of Fame. You have Howie Long in the Hall of Fame. You have uh, Mike Keynes, Lester Hayes will be in the Hall of Fame. We had we had tons of guys. We had all pros everywhere. You know, Rod Martin was a Pro Bowler and an All Pro. Myself, Ted Hendricks, Howie, Lyle Alzado. I mean, Mike Haynes on the outside, uh, Van McElroy behind us. I mean, we were at, we were really talented. You couldn't afford that team in today's football. Okay. But um, the attitude that they had was, look, we're going in, we're going to do what we want to do, and there's nothing you could do about it. And if, oh, by the way, if you want to get into a fight, we're there for it. <laughs> and so that, that was that was just the way we operated. Uh, I, it was a it was a culture that I I fit, and uh, <laughs> it was fun to do. And uh, you can't do that anymore. Those those days are long gone. What, what about Alzado? Al's, uh, what, what, Lyle? Yeah, well, well, uh, you're, you're talking about like a, a team that's willing to fight. He fought Muhammad Ali. 
Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. That didn't <laughs> yeah, go. I think, he, I think he ticked Ali off because at one point Ali decided to really fight him. And yes. He decided, <laughs> I think he could have, could have abused him if he wanted to. No, but Lyle, that was, you know, half that stuff. I, I mean, for me, Lyle was, Lyle was a good guy, and we got along really yeah. well. His kids, yeah, you know, he had kids and mm-hmm. his wife, and yeah, so we were over there quite a bit. And um, but Lyle, the other part of Lyle was, you know, we called him Three Mile Lyle for a reason. You never knew when he was going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt Millen's so, uh, with us. That's pretty good. It's just a diff- It's a different time. It's a different league than it is now. You, you, that team couldn't play in today's league. You guys just had to have a hell of a lot of fun, didn't you? Well, there was a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. That was a that was a fun time, and it was. I very few. There was only a few teams that I was on that you could do this. Uh, when I was in San Francisco that first year in 1990, mm-hmm. we could do this. In '83, we could do this, and in '83, '84, '85, right around in there, where the defense, we would just say, "Hey, it's time to go. We got to go." And we would just we just change it, and it would we just up our game, and it was it was really fun to play. I mean, that was we could dominate a game just by willing it, and that was very very rare. You know, I I watched the documentary uh, on John Madden. You were so close with John, weren't you? Yeah, John's my guy. He was um, he was rare. And John was one of one, and for whatever reason, he he kind of took a liking to me. And um, yeah, I miss him. I miss talking to him. You I got miss, to go I on the bus, uh, didn't you, with him quite a yeah, bit? Yeah, we'd be on the bus on my, and I would be. He'd have the no farting rule. I'd break it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read the the no fart and no dump rule. Correct? Yeah, you got it. That's exactly right. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just missed the guy. John was usually the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. Very very bright guy. Um, he had a way of just breaking things down simplistically that you could anybody could um, could follow it. And he just uh, he was just a smart person. He was a good person, and uh, I, I miss him. Mm-hmm. Actually, he and Al Davis. I miss talking to Al Davis a bunch too. Mm-hmm. He was another one really really smart, and uh, I miss them both. Now, uh, Matt, this is a bit timely here because uh, my dad, he was a high schooler in Denver in the, in the early 80s, and he has a lot of painful memories watching the, the, the Raiders come to Denver. And now we got the, the Broncos and the Raiders coming up on Sunday. Can you talk a little bit about that Raiders-Broncos rivalry? Yeah, so if it's like the old Raider-Broncos, it's going it's, it's to be fun to play in because, well, they, it's not. Here's what, look, here's what it was, and I've told John Elway this many times. I thought John Elway was the best quarterback that we ever saw. Mm. And people, when they ask me why, I tell them this, simply this is the answer. We played the Denver Elways. They didn't have a running game, they had John. They didn't have great receivers, they had John. They didn't have a good offensive line, they had John. And they would they'd be competitive games every stinking time, and that guy, I don't know how he found a way to do it. We beat the living fists out of him, <laughs> and he still found a way to get him in games. He was, he was amazing. And when his, when his skill level declined, they got a runner, and they won Super Bowls. Mm. He was still that good. So 
lot of lot of respect for John Elway. Matt Millen, part of BTN, uh, Hall of Fame linebacker, four-time Super Bowl champ, and, of course, uh, great at Penn State. Uh, one name that's out there, and I'll let you go after this, Matt, and we'll see you Saturday night, Bill O'Brien, uh, coordinator at Alabama, did good things, but kind of got ran out in Houston. And, of course, you know how he elevated Penn State a little more than a decade ago. Uh, O'Brien in Nebraska, could that be a fit? If Bill wants to take the job, Bill O'Brien will make any program better. I was really impressed with him uh, when he came into Penn State Mm -hmm. because that was not easy to do. Right. You're following a legend in Joe Paterno, and there were all these expectations and the way things were done and the certain culture was there. And, I mean, it was, it was not easy. And Bill O'Brien came in there, and, uh, heck, I think they voted him Coach of the Year that mm-hmm. year. They did. But he was um, – he's a good X and O guy. He's a play caller. He's really he's, – he's got some good Irish in him, so you know he's going to give a good fight. <laughs> but ultimately, it comes down to this: mm-hmm. if you can recruit, you got a chance. Sure. Because if my players are better than your players, we're going to win. Mm-hmm. The ones when you have, when our my players are are even to your players, coaching makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And so, he can get you better, um, but you still have to recruit. Matt Millen, Matt, looking forward to seeing you Saturday night. Thanks for your time today. Like what you hear. High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Now it's time to get back to the Hale Varsity Radio Show with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. All right, that's it! You two guys leave me no choice. No television for a week. What? Under the lights tonight, Nebraska and Indiana on BTN. Gorgeous setting right now in Lincoln down here in the Haymarket at the Single Barrel. Inside the Graduate Hotel, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal were presented by Currency for all your equipment. Financing needs go Currency. Pretty awesome here right above us as we're here at the Single Barrel. Is kind of a, uh, a little deck area, and you've got three or four, uh, five, you know, groups gathered. They've got a mini football, <laughs> and they're chucking the mini football across the street to, to Melikar 66. Guys, I don't know if you grew, grew up playing this, but this would be the, the ultimate, ultimate uh, game of 500. Uh, down in the Haymarket, if someone's tossing it from the third floor from a hotel down to a a gas station parking lot, really pretty cool. Uh, we welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, as he's checking out Big Ten action. Sharpie, how's your weekend? Good to spend time. Thanks for jumping in. Hey, thanks, guys. What a crazy day. I mean, hop on the crazy t- train of college football. Uh, after tonight, like we could be saying 1030 or so, we could have a six-way tie for first place in the West at 1-1 one and one in Wisconsin's 0-2. 
embrace the craziness of the Big Ten West, and we don't know if it's really bad football, mediocre football, or Minnesota just laid a giant egg today. Gary Sharp's with us here on Hale Varsity Weekend Edition. It, it, yeah, it seems like, Sharpie, teams can't either handle the hype or live up to expectations or just focus on the moment, to your point about Minnesota. What's your uh, what's your level at DEFCON right now in Wisconsin? Uh, I think it's pretty high. You're now 15-10 and 10 in your last 25 games, and all those games have been started by Graham Mertz. All of a sudden, Jim Leonard's defense is civ-like, and they only ran for two <laughs> yards today on yeah. Illinois. I, I think I think the bigger storyline, and and not to not to walk away from Paul Chris because I think there's some heat now on what's going on in Wisconsin because this isn't new. You remember they struggled last year out of the gate, and they haven't scored in the second half in their loss to Washington State at home and their loss to Illinois. But the bigger story might be, oh boy. We talk about P.J. Fleck being good and rising up and making noise in the West. Can you imagine in year two if Brett Bielema and that defense along with Chase Brown in the backfield and maybe a competent quarterback, all of a sudden Illinois is a good football team? I mean, hello, West Division. You know, it's so funny you bring up Illinois, too, because it's almost case in point about what's happening with Nebraska right now where – the, the sum of the parts just doesn't equal the parts, right? And I feel like Illinois has been kind of similar over the past couple of years. They, they've got some assassins on defense. Those dudes have been hitting for a while. They've had some pretty good tailbacks. Quarterback play has been, eh, kind of spotty. Um, you know, but I think it's kind of par for the course for a lot of the Big Ten, especially the West. Uh but I think it just goes to show that a shift in mentality and a definitive identity can really go a long way because that's what it looks like is happening in in, in uh, Illinois. Yeah, and you know, I mean, that's what we, you know, we, all of us have talked about. Okay, the next Nebraska coach, you're going to recognize Nebraska football because of blank. I mean, doesn't it, as you watch Wisconsin, and I'm sure they're kicking themselves after blowing that game against Indiana earlier in the month and seeing Indiana tonight, uh, you, you know, you watch that team and you go, that's the Brett Bielema team that played at Wisconsin. They play stout defense. They don't need elite quarterback play. They run the football. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really impressed by Illinois. I mean, think about it, guys. There's a lot of dynamics to tonight's game because, as Schmitty was saying, you know, the, the single barrel is packed. There's a lot of action in downtown Lincoln. People are going to sell out the place. They're excited. But here's the thing. I mean, they need fans want a victory because you're going to go away for a while. By the time the Nebraska comes home, it'll be the end of the month. They will have gone to Rutgers on Friday. They will have gone to Purdue. They would have had a bye week. So if they're not able to do something, you've got this stretch of a month. And when you come home to play Illinois, wow. I mean, Illinois could be in a great spot. And you're like, how did that happen in year two and didn't happen here? It's, it's really strange. But to your point, Mark, Identity. We're watching. A lot of people are paying close attention to Lance Leipold. Yeah, there's an identity there. They do. They do the simple things really, really well. And I like what Illinois is doing. I was. That's going to be one of the more impressive results of the weekend. Gary Sharp is with us here, a Saturday afternoon edition, as we preview Nebraska and Indiana. And before we get to the game tonight, Gary, just 
one thought here. Nebraska passed over Brett Bielema four years ago. Could he be a candidate this time around for Trev? Uh, I, and so here's, here's what I do know about the situation, because I know somebody that is good friends with him, and I said, can you ask him about his interest in the Nebraska job? He was kind of interested, um, but I don't know how far it got down the road. He might have been more interested when they hired Mike Riley because he suggested to Sean Eichhorst, hey, there's this guy named Paul Chris at Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I'm, I'm calling to put in a, a plug for him. I don't know. I think he likes what he's established. You know, he's back home uh, in the state of Illinois. They are making a huge investment into football, and he's got a little traction going there. So I, I don't know. He, he's a guy that in the past you would go, man, wouldn't he be ideal at Nebraska? I don't know if he's too soon to leave and go to a, a fellow West Division, but I do know this, guys. Whoever Nebraska gets, their fan base is going to be livid at Nebraska that they've stolen their coach. And you know what? It's all about the business. Gary Sharp with us here, Weekend Edition, Hail Varsity Radio. And what a ball game in Lawrence. It is the Trev Alberts Bowl. Some have deemed it. Uh, Kansas and Iowa State. Sharpie, uh, before I get to tonight's game, how, how much fun's the Big 12 been this year? It's been nuts, right? I mean, TCU, OU, uh, Adrian and K-State look incredible. Tech isn't bad this year. Coach Barnett told us earlier this week that anybody in the Big 12 can win the Big 12, and I, I mean, he knows his football, but it's not like, all right, who's the tallest dwarf? No, they're all pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I mean, I think if you're if you're looking at potential Nebraska quarterback recruits or a former Nebraska quarterback recruit, today was not a good day for you. You know, Max Duggan, uh, Riley <laughs> Staff exactly. recruited him. Yeah, you know, Riley Staff recruited him, but I don't think he had a comfortability with the OC at the time at Nebraska. Went to TCU. You know, Max seems like he's been down there forever. He had a great game. I mean, that, that conference is upside down. But when you narrow it down and you throw in what's going on at Lawrence with KU and Iowa State today, I mean, it's kind of showing you that Baylor and Oklahoma State are sitting on top of that conference. And if you're running the Big 12, they're like, this is great because those two teams aren't going anywhere. But it, I think it's all part of college football, guys. I think the transfer portal and, and programs being able to turn around quick has brought us, you know, it's not dislodging the top three at the top of the, the food chain in college football. But, man, we're getting some uh, results that – we're going to stop and go, man, that really didn't surprise me. They were a better team. And I think the landscape of college football and, and what we consider upsets is probably going to change as the landscape of college football has changed how you build a roster. But it's fun. I, I, again, Nebraska could win tonight. And it would be their first conference victory in a year. In a year. And they could wake up tomorrow tied for first. Gary, it sounds crazy to say, but I, I, honestly, I think the level of parity is starting to resemble more of the NFL. I mean, things just don't make sense anymore. <laughs> and it's every week, to your point, where it's just like, is that you even call that an upset now? It's just, It just feels like you could throw so many teams into a hat outside of, say, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Clemson, and Ohio State. Other than that, <laughs> do you have any idea what's going to happen on a week-to-week basis? No, I mean, look at Texas A&M today. Texas A&M fought off. Arkansas had no business losing that game, but Texas A&M won. Texas A&M looks terrible today. So, it's you know, it kind of is starting to to, to gradually get to when we have a 12-team playoff. Yeah, the same four are probably going to grab the top four spots. 
But, man, the other eight could be wild. Here's another conference, guys, that because of where it's located and you can't find their best game because it's on the Pac-12 network, the top of the Pac-12 isn't bad. Good coaches, portal quarterbacks. The Pac-12 is not bad as well. I, I, it's just a wild year. I think this is great for the sport. I mean, we're a month in. The ratings are sky high, and the results are like, wow. But there are some teams that have separated themselves. Like Michigan today just kind of reminded everybody, Michigan has four and five stars all over the field, and they are playing like four and five stars. Well, Gary, how crazy would it be? I, I think I would have been uh, called you crazy at the beginning of the year if you would have told me that three future Big Ten teams in Ohio State, Michigan, and USC could all potentially be in college football playoff uh, talk uh, by the time we get to October. But but here we are. It kind of feels like uh, the, the big three right now is Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. But Michigan and USC aren't that far behind. And I, I mean, I think this is kind of further proof that the future of college football is the Big Ten and the SEC. Yeah, Elijah, I agree. I mean, it's two conferences that can separate themselves. They've got all the money. they got all the exposure. And they get all the best players. Sharpie, let's get into Indiana and Nebraska here. What do you see tonight? Give me a thought here, advantage-wise for Nebraska. Give me a concern for you with the Big Red tonight. Well, I, you know, Nebraska, a lot of people are wondering why is Nebraska favored. And I look at this Indiana team, and I don't see much separation between Indiana and Nebraska on what ails them, what they might do well. Um, you know, I mean, the whole key for Nebraska is they're going to have to create some havoc on defense. You know, will Bush, Bill Bush take more chances? You know, the sack, the sack stat has kind of been lessened in college football and really around football. Um, it's more of the havoc plays. Can Nebraska dial something up where they can create some havoc and get Baselick off his spot? And is he going to throw the ball away? Um, you know, is he going to throw it to somebody? I mean, is, is they're going to get a strip sack, something like that. Nebraska needs something like that. I think they will be aligned better. I can't guarantee that they'll tackle better. But maybe just getting lined up. Football 101, if you could accomplish half of that tonight, is Nebraska going to be at least a little bit better defensively? Maybe, but they still got issues. I, I see this game like the Georgia Southern, like a shootout, which means Nebraska offensively has got to crank it up. And I have concerns about Nebraska offensively because Casey Thompson, I mean, he got dinged. He got, he got beat up against Oklahoma. He's been real quiet. We haven't heard from him since then. What's Mark Whipple going to do outside of that opening drive? And if the game goes on, what's he going to do with his running game? You don't have Allen, but you have Irvin. And then I think you got to feature Palmer and Vokalek. Uh, Trey Palmer quietly is having a monster year. Vokalek is an NFL tight end. But you got to do all that behind an offensive line that is really patchwork. So I, I, I focus, I know a lot of people talk about defense. My focus tonight, guys, is on the offense. Can they move the ball? Can they stay on the field, sustain drives? And when they get an opportunity to put the ball in the end zone and score six over three, can they do that continuously tonight against a defense that, just like Nebraska's defense, isn't very good? You know, defensively, Gary, a few changes to the depth chart and one new name added to the mix. Malcolm Hartzog, the kind of last-minute uh, recruiting addition out of, uh, I think it was Mississippi, right? Out of yep. Mississippi. Um, pretty lightly recruited guy, but he was sort of a – you know, he's like the player of the year. He's a return man. He's a, he was a receiver. A, a really kind of sort of reminds me of a maybe an Alfonso Dennard type find. Um, do you think that leash tonight is going to be pretty short with Tommy Williams? And we may indeed see Hartzog because you know Indiana is going to put it in the air. Well, I'm, I'm curious to see if Tommy Hill is there. Um, you know, he got oh, wow. benched against Oklahoma. 
And he went to the sidelines and pouted, and that did not go over yep. very well. So yeah, how much is he going to be out there tonight? Are we going to see the guy that they talked about in August that was a dog? Because we haven't seen that yet. But I imagine it, Mark, I'm with you. I think if he doesn't play well, Nebraska cannot afford to keep him on the field. Now, I will also be curious tonight what kind of fits they have with their defensive backs. Are they still going to ask their defensive backs to come 10 yards off the ball and try and make a tackle? You know, I think those are maybe some adjustments we have maybe could see that we didn't see in the past. But whatever it is, I'd also like – I'd like to see the cornerbacks be more aggressive tonight. I would like to see them more in a, you know, more in a hand battle, winning some of those 50-50 balls because I think Basilak is going to try and get it out quick and try a lot of quick games. So I think those defensive backs, and especially the corners, if they're going to play more man tonight – where it's you know less thinking and it's just worrying about the guy in front of you. If you can afford to do that, can the cornerbacks win battles at the line of scrimmage to knock wide receivers off the spot? Because I do like Indiana's skill personnel, and if they get going, watch out. Gary, if you're looking into this, the, the potential youth rising among this Husker defense, is that a sign of encouragement for you, like a sign of hope that you know there, there could be some younger guys that can come in and fill some shoes, or is, or is that warning bells for you that, that the next guys that are up are true freshmen and guys that haven't been here very long? Uh, I mean, that's a fair question, Elijah. We all ask the same thing. I think it would be encouraging if you got some younger guys that got their feet on the ground and started to play better. Um, that's probably still a work in progress. My answer to that question, I'm going to flip it a little bit on you, and maybe you guys feel the same. Boy, Nebraska's veteran guys have to play better. Nebraska needs Riley and Hendricks to play much, much better than they played in the first four games, and they need them to play like the big moments last year. You know, Reimer doesn't look as explosive. Um, he looks a little bit bigger. I'm not sure what happened when they were you know, developing his body for 22. But those guys, both of those guys, definitely have to play much better. Or Nebraska has absolutely no chance on defense. I'd just like to quickly throw something in here, Schmitty. I know I got some crazy looks yesterday picking Arkansas over Bama, but they just reeled off 23 unanswered points. And they were no, in, they did. I mean, they, they, were down, they were down 14 nothing, but and now you've got uh, Bryce Young out of the game and them hogs are rolling around in mud. They've got some momentum. No, you were... You were on it. <laughs> You're looking way smarter now than you were in the first quarter. <laughs> oh, I was worried, man. <laughs> but, but uh, no, I mean, that place, God, I mean, Arkansas is a, it's a diamond in the rough. Well, talk talk just about a guy it. in Pittman that's built a culture Pittman's down there. awesome. I love that guy. He can just ball. I mean, Arkansas didn't care, about, he didn't care about winning the press conference down there whenever they hired Pittman and it's paid off for him. Well... Exactly, and it, I mean, it would have you would have thought Bielema could have fit down there. He just couldn't get any any wins well, over the hump. You know what I mean? Let, so let me let me chime in on that. Uh, yeah. Terrible fit, Jeff Long and Brett Bielema. There were a lot Probably. of stuff going on, but but we started this conversation about identity. They went and hired an offensive line coach from Georgia. How many offensive line coaches get hired to be head coaches? The ones that do seem to work out pretty well because they understand that that element of the of the game, um, he's a he is a perfect fit with an identity for uh, Arkansas. I mean, that's that's a hire that flew under the radar. But man, talk about a guy that fits, whether it be coaching or you, you listen to him. He sounds like all the people that we know from Fayetteville in the state of Arkansas. He's got the yeah. same mentality. And he talks he talks and he looks like them. That's the thing that I learned when I was down in Lubbock last year when they hired Joey McGuire. I'm like, who is this guy? And someone said, you know what? 
He looks and talks like us. We're from West Texas. He's going to fit in perfectly. Uh, he's been okay. Very much hey, so. Gary, uh, look, I, I love a good conspiracy theory. Not like QAnon. That's, you know, a little <laughs> too far. Uh, and you have spent a lot of time around Trev Alberts professionally, especially when with your yeah. his time at UNO while, while you were doing all the things you do for, for UNO. So you know him pretty well. You've seen him up close. Um, do you think that Bush, Joseph, and Gwenta all who have very solid connections <laughs> to Dave Aranda. Is that just a coincidence, or is that Trev kind of doing some puppet master stuff in the background <laughs> to make Nebraska's job very appealing to one Dave Aranda? If it was not, if Vince Ginta had no connection previously to Nebraska, I would be with you. Um, but don't discount that there's some familiarity there because I think whoever gets the job at Nebraska is going to need somebody on the inside to help them with the current roster and what they have to do recruiting, especially working inside and outside. I, 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 I would listen, um, but if Vince said, like, you know, Vince said no connection to Nebraska and they just hired him away from Baylor, I'd be like, oh, okay, I see. We should have paid closer attention last year. But, I, I, you know, it will, like, Dave Aranda – a guy like Dave Aranda having familiarity and Bill Bush and Mickey Joseph and Vince Ginta being able to say, hey, Trent, this is what this guy does when he's not in front of the camera and how he builds a team. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some discussion. But here's what I think, guys, and I know you're running close, out of time here. When I listen to Trev, and he spoke at length earlier this week, doesn't it seem like he's looking for the next Bob Devaney? A guy that looks at the Nebraska job and says, whoa, there's something there. It fits my skill set. We're going to go there and we're going to make it pop. And that's kind of what Devaney did. And now Nebraska was much in much worse shape than they were now when he took over. And they don't have, of course, anywhere near the resources and money. But they got a guy that believed in the job and said, huh, I know how to make this work. That job is going to pop and it's going to pop soon. That's what I thought when I heard Trev talking about a culture builder and finding that person that looks at Nebraska. I'm in the rough. I thought, man, he's looking for the next Devaney. Gary Sharp with us, the Iron Horse Sale Varsity Weekend here at the Single Barrel. And KU just recovered a fumbled punt again. So two missed field goals. And now Iowa State minus three in the turnover battle. And the Fighting Jayhawks of Leopold hanging on 14 to 11 right now uh, early on in the fourth quarter. Sharpie, before we let you go, bud, give me a score prediction, and thanks so much for your time today. Uh, I will say tonight, Nebraska wins. Uh, for the first time, they win a conference game for the first time since that Saturday night against Northwestern nearly a year ago. I will say Nebraska 41-34. Similar shootout to 2009 when you remember how bonkers that game was. Nebraska had a Division two wide receiver, and they had a a running back who is in the NFL as a wide receiver. That was a weird game. I think tonight will be weird as well. It'll be a lot of points. Iowa State recovers on the right side of the 50 against KU. Nine minutes left. <laughs> Sharpie, enjoy yourself, buddy, and we'll talk soon. Hey, thanks, guys, as always. Appreciate thanks, you. Gary. All right. There we are. Cranack, be good. Get the grill fired up, all right? Well, we'll see what we can do, partner. You as well. Elijah will talk here for Real Red Reaction after this, okay? A Huda Media Production.